Welcome to the Inspirational Australians podcast, where we chat to people making a difference in their communities and in the lives of others. And here is your host for today, Josh Griffin. For today's dose of inspiration, we're speaking with Wallace Jin. And Wallace was actually very recently announced as the Victorian Young Achiever of the Year for 2020. Now, Wallace is passionate about empowering the disadvantaged. He serves as the CEO of Chase, that's Community Health Advancement and Student Engagement, which is a 100% volunteer-run and youth-led charity dedicated to engaging, educating and empowering disadvantaged Victorians who are aged 16 to 18 through health education and personal mentorship. As CEO and leader of the Chase management team, Wallace is responsible for the overall strategic direction and delivery of the program. During his tenure, he has introduced a new organisational structure to minimise communication bottlenecks and improved opportunities for volunteers to develop professionally. Besides being a full-time medical student, Wallace also volunteers with 180 Degrees Consulting, International House Graduate Studio Student Association, Parity Education and Teach for Australia. Now, Wallace, I'm going to get you straight in here because that is quite a bio. And, uh, yeah, welcome on. Thanks for, for joining us today, Wallace. Thanks so much, Josh, for having me. It's yeah, a pleasure. no problems. No problems at all. So the first thing I wanted to ask you is Chase is a 100% you know, charity and volunteer-based organisation, and that's including you as a CEO. Is that right? Yep. It's, it's one of the... Most one of the things that I'm most proud of at Chase is that we are 100% volunteer led and also predominantly youth led. I think it's what makes our program quite unique, and it's also what gives it a lot of the um, strengths that it has working with young adults. Is that we are youth led, we're volunteer led, so we um, are fortunately, you know, very able to build rapport with a lot of the students that we work with, um, and so it's 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 happened. You know, it grew. The organization grew um, or started as a as a you know just a, a thing with between a couple of friends, and since then we've maintained that volunteer that youth led nature, and it's actually grown to become one of our strongest um, assets. I think. Yeah, that's an interesting point to make. That some people might see that as um, not a weakness, but that's a limitation being volunteer run and and led. But that's you know I think I agree with you there. That's an asset, and that's the strength behind it because you know that the people involved, if they're volunteering their time and their mm. efforts, they must really believe in it. Um, and then you get mm. you know, great inputs from everyone. Absolutely. I think one of the things that I love about Chase is the culture and the people there. We have a management team of about 50 people um, with a broader volunteer base of about 80 people. So it's an organisation that's about 130 strong or so. And the, the chase, is al- chase is almost like my second family. Everyone's very passionate, very kind, very caring, and it brings together a lot of people who are very similar-minded. So I'm very grateful and very lucky to yeah. have them. Yeah. And so how does that fit in with your medical studies? We were just talking about it in the bio. Um, mm. and you mentioned to me off-air that you're in your last year. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So Chase is something that I've done throughout my medical school. I'm currently in my last year of a medical degree at the University of Melbourne. It's a four-year postgraduate degree. Um, So this is actually my seventh year of university. Um, Chase fits into this bigger picture as as just, you know, my primary 
voluntary commitment outside of med school. It's something that I'm very passionate about. And I believe that, you know, as, as young people, um, we have a lot of potential to contribute. And so one of the ways, in addition to, to studying to, to serve people in hospitals as a doctor, is by serving the community through community-led initiatives like Chase. Yeah, and where do you find, you know, in your experience, I suppose, being through university and in your seventh year now, you've obviously been through a lot of that study and talked to different people and been involved with different groups. You know, what's the, the main difference there between community-led and maybe something that is a bit more, you know, government-driven or, or perhaps from other kind of parties? That's a really great question. I think community-led health initiatives have a really important role in the broader delivery of healthcare in a country. So if we think about the different components of a health system, you know, quite, quite simplistically, you've got the, the hospitals, um, which, you know, are mostly public and, and government run. You've got the sort of community-based health organisations, much like Chase, but also a lot of other um, really important health organisations. Then you've got a, the, the suite of sort of private um, operators as well. I think community health initiatives serve a really important role because they often bridge the gap um, between the healthcare sector and the people who need healthcare the most um, because, you know, being able to work in the community directly, they're able to connect with, with those people who, who are often at, at greatest disadvantage. Um, and so I think that's, that's one really important role of community health initiatives is that they, they connect people. Um, I think another really important role is that often the work that we do is more on a, more on a primary preventative level of, of healthcare, which is essentially saying, you know, if we think about um, tertiary and, and, and secondary healthcare as the healthcare that you receive when you're in a hospital, so you get you're sick, you go to a hospital, and then you receive treatment for that, that is secondary and tertiary healthcare. Primary healthcare is a step before that that says, I want to prevent you from getting sick in the first place. And so that's where community initiatives like Chase and all the other great organisations out there have a really important role through health literacy or education or you know, engagement at an early level to prevent disease from happening in the first place. Yeah, it's an important distinction to make and I think a good explanation for some people, you know, might not be focused on healthcare and, and wonder, oh, primary healthcare, what, that, what does that mean exactly? So that's a really good way of explaining it, Wallace, thank you. And that must be, you know, so important right now. I mean, it's always important, but with, you know, the COVID situation, this global pandemic pandemic we're facing, has that really changed Chase's, um, you know, your main way you guys operate and, and your attention or what's going on with that? On an operational level, it's affected our organisation quite significantly. I think most organisations in our society yeah. have been. Um, Chase specifically, because we're a mentoring program, we send our mentors directly into the schools who work with small groups of students. And, and because of the certain restrictions, we haven't been able to do that this year. So we've had to rely a lot on, on the teachers and virtual delivery platforms to continue um, delivering our curriculum in schools this year. So certainly there's been a really big shift um, for the organisation on an operational front. I think thinking more broadly to 
what COVID means for Chase and other community-led initiatives, the pandemic has really highlighted just how important population health is. We've seen that if the population of a health cannot be secured, then everything else comes secondary to that. So the the you know we've seen a lot of economic troubles, we've seen a lot of geopolitical troubles, and so health is almost, at least in, from my perspective, the the fundamental thing that has to happen before um, everything else in a society can function normally. So I think going forward, organizations that work in this population community health space will be of increasing importance, um, very, very important, um, because they will be sort of addressing some of the gaps that we have currently in, in the primary healthcare system. Well, as with what you're saying about the importance of a population's health being at the forefront, when, when some people and uh, you know, some commentators are discussing how to, to combat COVID and you know, the health of the economy versus the population, to me, you would have some pretty strong thoughts on that. An excellent question, Josh. And, and this is sort of fundamental question that our leaders in our society are asking ourselves every day. You know, every, every day that we're evaluating our situation, they're essentially weighing up different factors of which health and of which the economy are, are two very big ones. I think for me, you, you can't have one without the other. In one sense, you know, health, the delivery of healthcare, the successful delivery of healthcare, I should say, is contingent on having a strong, well-funded economy um, because at the end of the day, healthcare does receive a lot of economic support from our public system to keep functioning and to deliver the, the great services that it does. Now, similarly, on, on the flip side, you can't have a thriving economy uh, without a robust health system because if we think about what makes an economy thrive, it's the individual people are being productive and you know, that, that causes a whole chain of events that causes overall growth. Um, but if someone can't be productive because they're falling sick or if they um, can't be productive because they lost their job um, or because they're stuck at home, then you start seeing a lot of implications on the economy as we've seen. So I think this debate between the health and the economy um, is not as simplistic as um, you know, one is the opposite of the other. I think there's a lot more nuance here and so that's why all the decisions that we have to make have to be considered from a variety of perspectives. And it's what I think, you know, our leaders have done exceptionally well during this pandemic um, is that, you know, they've, they've done their best at considering all the different perspectives and coming up with a solution that um, is probably the, the best of a bad bunch because, you know, quite, quite honestly, it's, it's very hard to deal with a pandemic um, in, in the first place. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. Wallace, and I think you've said that very well. It is very hard to deal with this situation. And so, you know, I think I've been actually really pleasantly surprised that the importance put on people's lives in terms from a health perspective, that the actions made by many of our leaders have been in some ways at the detriment of their own political gains. So in a lot of ways, they're putting the people first and not the politics of it. So 
yeah, I agree with what you're saying. They're intrinsically linked, that argument between economy and health. So, yeah, thanks for your thoughts on that. It's good to get, you know, such logical um, and important, you know, views from people in the healthcare system and who are working with people every day in the community. So I think sometimes it's great, you know, that we can get that kind of input from you, Wallace. So thank you. Yeah, we've spoken about Chase and you as a medical student and those kind of are some of the reasons that you were announced as the Victorian Young Achiever of the Year a couple of weeks ago. You know, what's it been like since then for you? Kind of, uh, you know, I know that you were interviewed on Seven News. I guess was that, that must have been kind of cool. The, the interview with Seven News was a unique experience for me. I've never been on TV before. In, in all honesty, Josh, it's, it's sort of, you know, the restrictions in Melbourne at the moment, um, it sort of felt like business as usual. Like I've had to just sort of get on with, with life because there's not much else that we can do apart from that. I think thinking more broadly though, you know, of course I was, when I first heard the news, I was incredibly um, humbled, incredibly surprised by the award. You know, there are so many great young people out there doing incredible things and the, you know, the people who came and who were finalists on that night are a great example of that. And so I think, you know, hearing and seeing all their stories um, really made me just feel in- incredibly humbled to have received the the overall Young Achiever of the Year award. But um, yeah, it's it's been it's been incredibly um, humbling experience. I think. Yeah, well, uh, to touch on what you said there, you know, it is a bit weird that normally we would have uh, a big fancy event and you'd be, you know, at the event and up on stage and to some of the feedback I've heard from people recently is that it's a bit surreal to kind of win these kind of awards. Mm. But you're just at home in your lounge room or wherever it is. You know, yeah. it's kind of a bit more um, when you're there live in a room with 500 people and you're up on a stage, it's like a bit more, well, this is, like, this is stunning. Um, yeah. yeah, so that is kind of the funny side. What was it like for you joining that virtual event? Uh, so I had made sure that I found the best background that I could in my room and then I set the c- camera up such that it, it captured that um, and then put on a, a suit, which is probably the first time I've done that in, in many, many months now because um, I haven't even had a chance to go outside. And then tuned into the event. Um, I think it was a fantastically run event and, and you know, hats off to, to all the people involved who made that virtual event possible because I think it might, have, might be the first time that we've actually done this for the awards. Um, and then, yeah, everything sort of just went, went really quickly. It was all a blur, quite surreal, like you said. Um, my, my leadership category was first up, and I was just, you know, so taken aback when I was nominated as, as the winner of that category. And then fast forward an hour and a half, two hours, we're at the final, at, at the very end, at the overall award, and... and you know, I, I hear my name called out and I was just like, I, I don't believe this. And I remember very clearly for the next um, for the next sort of four or five hours before I went to bed, I was just like, this is, I'm, I'm in a dream. This isn't real. Um, it, it very much felt surreal. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. You're right, like just being on the call and then all of a sudden, yeah, there's this kind of a big announcement's been made. So, yeah, that's funny as well. I forgot actually because I was watching the event that you were the very first category. So there was that big wait in between but um 
for anyone listening who's interested to see what that was like, they can head to the Facebook page, the uh, Seven News Young Achiever Awards. Vic is the Facebook page there, and the uh, Facebook Live video is still obviously up on our page. Um, yeah, and uh, thanks for your comments. You know, I want to shout out to our colleague, Dami Cox, who managed that event. She did an incredible job. She managed that, and, and as you said, it was um, it was the second, actually, the virtual awards night that we have done, but she managed those first two. Um, New South Wales won the big one, so she was really the trailblazer for us. And uh, we do run these awards around the country, so the rest of us are just copying her good work now. So we've got to shout out to Demi. She's a legend. But yeah, Wallace, um, you know, I'm interested to hear as well, like from the going back, this must have been last year now, thinking about it, when you were nominated in the awards. If I'm not um, asking you to think back too far, can you remember about that back in that period and, and what it was like when you nominated um, in the, uh, the leadership category, as you said? Yeah, that was at the um, very start of this year, I think. Um, or the or the late last year. It's all um, a bit blurry, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it all. The past twelve months have all almost blurred into one, really. Yeah, being nominated was 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 um, incredible. I mean, I, I I I just you know I don't do my work for any sort of external recognition. I do it because it you know, has has purpose, has meaning, and it, it makes me feel you know happy and I enjoy it. And so to be nominated for for this incredibly prestigious award i was i was quite shocked um and i was i was incredibly um humbled by that as well i just remember um thinking to myself that you know being nominated for that you know um inspires me to want to work even more and to work even harder doing the things that i do and so this year i think having been nominated for this i've, I've really you know put myself into sixth gear in everything that i do um, and very lucky that that has turned out well in the end. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, in addition to Chase, um, you mentioned that you do some volunteering in other areas as well. Are you happy to talk about that? Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, so I've, I've worked, volunteered, I should say, in a few different spheres. Currently, I'm also volunteering at the International House Graduate Student Association which is a student body that represents um, approximately 75 international postgraduates at the University of Melbourne. And, and I'm quite passionate about this particular area because we've seen from the pandemic that international students have had a very, very difficult time. You know, they've not only are they very far from home, with a lot of them unable to return home, but the supports that they have available to them are a lot less compared to what your, you know, what your typical Australian would have. And so I've seen firsthand how, how vulnerable this population is and, and how, how much they've struggled. And so to be able to support them through this challenging period has been an incredible privilege. It hasn't been easy and, you know, it hasn't been perfect the whole way, but I think anything that we can do to support our most vulnerable, no matter who they are or where they're from, I think that's a really important thing. Um, outside of that, I also volunteer for a um, volunteer consultancy called 180 Degrees Consulting. This is a way for passionate young um, 
university students to give pro bono consulting to different not-for-profit and charity organizations around Australia. It's a worldwide organization operating in around 35 to 40 countries with 100 and something different branches all, all around the world. And for me, this is, you know, a completely different sort of volunteering because here I'm having to sort of employ a, a, a different set of skills, you know, problem solving, critical thinking. It's very almost corporate and professional in nature, yet it's still volunteering and making a positive impact. And so I, I really enjoy being able to combine the best of those two worlds. Yeah, for sure. And that would be quite different, you know, talking about corporate kind of um, you know, aspect. Coming back to Chase a little bit, do you have to ever find yourself in that corporate kind of mode, you know, for Chase, because given that you're a CEO and sometimes you do have to you know, deal with that kind of thing? Absolutely. I think as CEO, you know, there are times where you do have to put on that, that corporate hat. Um, for example, if you're pitching for a major grant, from a philanthropy or if you're making a public appearance at a, at a forum. Um, that's probably where the official quote-unquote CEO hat comes on. But I think outside of that, you know, very rarely do I consider this CEO position as a you know, standard hierarchical CEO position. It, for me, it's, it's just an opportunity to, to work very closely with all the very passionate volunteers that, that, that I'm very lucky to to, do, to work with um, and a lot of the decisions that we make as an organization are made as the team as a collective um, leveraging all the different perspectives and backgrounds here so at at least within chase because I suppose we are small we are growing um, and we are youth-led a lot of the traditional cultures and norms we can bypass and get straight to what what matters and what works best for us for sure, and that would be yeah a real strength, as you said at the top of this interview. Um, I'm, you know, I'm hearing a common theme here that you are really passionate about working with people from disadvantaged backgrounds or who experience disadvantage and were vulnerable. Can you tell me where that kind of drive came from to to do that kind of work? Absolutely, I grew up in Brisbane, and my parents were migrants from Hong Kong. Um, I was born in Brisbane um, and so growing up in that sort of intersection between Western culture in Australia and then my Eastern background, um, I've, I, I feel like that gave me very early perspective into a variety of different issues and I quite, quite readily saw that, you know, one of the, the biggest differences, one of the biggest issues that I saw was that there was a big gap between um, the opportunities that, that people like myself growing, in, growing up in Australia had compared to people in other countries um, where you know, perhaps they were less developed um, and the opportunities that they had. And so I think growing up, I, I sort of had this subconscious realisation of the inequities that underpin a lot of our society and because I really wanted to, to tackle that, um, I, I really wanted to work with people where they could benefit the most. And so working with disadvantaged, working with the vulnerable is, I suppose, um, my way of, of trying to combat that inequity 
and build a, a stronger future for, for those who might not have the same opportunities that we do. For sure. And, you know, that's so great that a lot of people notice that, but not many stand up and dedicate themselves to addressing it. So Wallace, to me, that is what is inspirational about you and makes you uh, an inspirational Australian. So thanks for that, mate, because it's, it's great. And like, you know, we need people like you in this world. You know, can you share some stories of uh, some of the disadvantaged people that you help, whether it's through Chase or um, you know, in other areas? And is there a common theme that you see, you know, coming from a health or education standpoint that that we that people can do to kind of help the situation? At Chase, we work very closely with Year Eleven students, and we work we specifically work with Year Eleven students because that point in time represents a key transition period for them transitioning from teenage years to the beginning of your adult life. And so the reason why we chose to work with them is because if you can influence them at that time in life, then the impact that you can have will stay for them, stay with them for the rest of their life. And so I, I recall you know, working with one particular student um, who I think reflects the story of Chase very well. Um, she was a student at one of our schools at, at Copperfield College, um, year 11. And prior to working with Chase, she you know, came from a background where she was relatively low socioeconomic status, not incredibly engaged with school, um, sort of just came to school because she had to. Now, over the year, you know, being able to work with her we saw very quickly that she had a lot of potential. Um, we saw that she was able to think very creatively and that she had this, this compassion, this care that was, that was incredible. Um, and so being able to sort of cultivate that through the curriculum that we have at Chase by teaching her avenues where she could channel that, that compassion um, that she had, um, I think was was one of the one of the most incredible things that, that I can remember. And then after the program finished, she eventually went on to join the Department of Health and Human Services, um, where she now works. And we we caught up with her um, when she started up when she started her new job, and she said that something along the lines of at least. Um, I'm incredibly grateful to have been a part of Chase because Chase taught me that I can do so much more than what I thought I was capable of. It sparked in me a passion for health and through that passion, I've now discovered that I can leverage my skills and my compassion to work and serve the people around me. And so that's why I've decided to work with the Department of Health and Human Services. And so I think, you know, hearing that story always makes me um, a little bit warm and fuzzy and I think just goes to reflect the impact that people can have if they're truly passionate about making it. For sure. And that is a, that's a great story, Wallace. And, you know, as you said, it makes you warm and fuzzy. When you make profound difference in someone's life like that, you know, you can't put a value or a kind of, on how much, how important that is, because as you said, you know, working with the year 11 students is a pivotal time and that's obviously set her up now for the rest of her life to have that 
you know, what a great thing to have that belief in yourself and you didn't have that previously. It's, you know, it's incredible. You know, if people want to know more about Chase, then where would you direct them? I'd recommend you sign up to our social medias. So Facebook is probably our most active platform. You can find us by typing in Chase Melbourne, at Chase Melbourne, or searching for our full name, Community Health Advancement and Student Engagement. We're also on LinkedIn and we have a website, chaseprogram.org.au. Otherwise, I'm very happy to be contacted personally um, about anything Chase or non-Chase related as well. Yeah, that's great, Wallace. And you know, are there volunteering opportunities for people even through you know, COVID now? Are you still able to interact with students? Absolutely. I mean, our, our organisation is still very active at the moment. And if you're interested in volunteering, if you're interested um, in volunteering with a group of very passionate young individuals, I should say, um, then we would love to, to, to see you here at Chase. Um, we're always hiring, especially for our mentors who directly work with students. We're always hiring for mentors and it's a very big cohort. But if you also want to work in a more operational sort of organizational role, well, then we join our management team because that's where you can develop a lot of these professional skills that might be valuable to you as well. Yeah. So I, I assume you're engaging with students, you know, via Zoom and, and things like that at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. With, um, you know, with the, you might not know this yet, but with the latest kind of news about restrictions easing here in Melbourne, you know, mm. we're both in, in Melbourne, mm. um, is that opening up opportunities for you to, to get into schools again and, and see people or how does that work? We're definitely very excited about that news of restrictions gradually easing. We are playing it a bit cautious because we want to make sure that we don't, you know, double back on ourselves in case anything changes. But we definitely anticipate that we'll be able to return back to us full in-person, face-to-face delivery. Um, definitely for the next year program, that would be, you know, what we're, what we're hoping for. Yeah, exactly, to start 2021, and especially because there'll be a whole fresh batch of year 11 students at that time. So absolutely, that will work nicely. Now, yeah. speaking of, um, of next year, so you're in your final year of medicine. Uh, is that currently 2020 finishing up or are you, is that crossing over into 2021? I finish at the end of this year. So in about two months, I'll be graduating. Wow, it's exciting. And, uh, you know, can you tell us what, you know, and it's hard to always know exactly, but what do you think, you know, 2021 will hold for you, Wallace? That's a great question. And I suppose I don't really have a clear answer for you, Josh, because in all honesty, I don't know what opportunities might come up. I mean, on one hand, I'll be working at the Royal Melbourne Hospital. Um, I know that for certain. Aside from that, I think one of the things that I really hope to keep doing is to keep working with disadvantaged, to keep working in the community space and to keep working in health opportunities. And then hopefully having that sort of professional background, at least formally recognised next year, will help in doing that. But wherever life takes me, I'll follow, I suppose. That's a good answer, Wallace. I love it. Um, well, yeah, well, I'm sure as the uh, Victorian Young Achiever of the Year, there will be all sorts of opportunities next year uh, and, and, and this year to finish off. Um, and we'll be following you know, your journey really, really closely for sure we'll have to you know get updates from you as we as we go along 
Um, and of course, people who, who do follow the Young Achiever Awards will see from you, Wallace, because you know we'd love to keep the uh, the Young Achiever of the Year involved. We're going to have you on our judging panel for next year's awards, and uh, actually, it would be interesting to get your feedback after that because you know you'll then be on the other side of the fence. You'll see, oh, this is what the uh, the panel was doing last year when my name was getting thrown around. So you know that would be an interesting insight for you as well. I'm looking forward to that. It's quite an honour to be involved. And so you touched on earlier, people can get in contact with you directly. Is that, uh, how would they do that? They can send me an email via wallace.gin at gmail.com. That's probably the easiest way. Otherwise, you can also find me on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Mm. Thanks, Wallace. And we're going to have those links that you mentioned earlier about Chase and also your um, personal ones there in the show notes so people can easily find that, get in touch with you. Wallace, thank you for joining us today. Wallace, before we do head off, is there anything you'd like to leave the listeners with, you know, a final message? Thanks, Josh. If you're a young person out there listening to this today, don't ever forget the tremendous potential that you have to shape and improve your community and the world around you. The young leaders of today will ultimately be the future leaders of tomorrow. And so that's why it's so important to think about what it is that you're passionate about and to channel your energy into doing those things to make our society a better place. Thank you, Wallace. Spot on. And uh, speaking of all those young leaders out there, the next edition of the Young Achiever Awards will be launching before we know it. Anyone out there who is a young person or you know a young person, Remember, you can nominate in the Young Achiever Awards and we want to share people's stories. Wallace, exactly what you were saying. These people out there, their potential is incredible and they're doing great work now. And these are the inspirational stories that we want to share just like you, Wallace, and we feel that it's important to do so. So Wallace, thank you for joining us, mate. Really appreciate it. And I'm sure we'll be in touch soon. The pleasure's all mine. Thank you so much, Josh, and to the Awards Australia team. I hope you enjoyed our interview. Join us each week as we talk with ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. If you know someone's making a difference, then you can contact us through our Instagram page, inspirational.australians, or head to our website, www.awardsaustralia.com, and you can nominate them. Help spread their story and share their message. Awards Australia is a family-owned Australian business. Our awesome producer, Annette, is my mum, and the other podcast host, Jeff, is my dad. We proudly aim to make a difference in the lives of Australians. And we thank our corporate and not-for-profit partners for making our awards programs possible. Would your business like to know how to get involved? Contact us now. See our details in the show notes. Please subscribe to our podcast so you won't miss an episode. And please share this episode with your network to pay it forward. Who doesn't like to hear a positive good news story? We'd also greatly appreciate it if you review and rate the series as well. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Until next week, stay safe and remember, together we make a difference. Thanks for joining us today on the Inspirational Australians podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening and have been inspired by ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. So it's goodbye for another week. Remember, together we make a difference.